SME. Are you an SME in the field? Are you a subject matter expert? And if you're not, partner with someone or get a bunch of advisors who are. You have to answer as an innovator. You gotta answer. Every call has gotta be, why the heck do you exist? And if you can't answer that, please don't start a company. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another uh, another episode of The Inventive Journey. And I am your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today on The uh, Inventive Journey, we've got another great guest, Garrett and uh, Grodcheck, or Grodcheck, or if I say it right, or close enough. <laughs> close enough. Garrett Grodcheck. Grodcheck. There we go. And uh, so Garrett uh, has worked for some bigger companies with uh, IBM and Cisco, and uh, but he's also kind of uh, jumped back and forth between startup and big business and startup and big business. And uh, right now he's in more of the startup phase, and so he's uh, made some, uh, built some big or good companies, worked for some big companies, and uh, has a great story to tell. So welcome onto the podcast, Garrett. Thanks for the opportunity. Love it. Love it. So I gave a bit of your intro, but maybe if you want to walk us through a bit of your journey and, you know, kind of where you're at today, but then take those couple steps backwards so we can hear about the journey that led up to where you're at today, and we'll, uh, we'll hear from there. Fantastic. Um, started as a programmer. Really important for the rest of the story. Programming is the basis of my inventions. I'm an, I'm, I create IT security software, so I should know how it actually is created and what the effort it is. Okay, as a programmer, I eventually uh, bopped around into big companies, like you said, places like IBM and, and other places like that and Texas Instruments. But my real career started when um, after doing a startup, coming to California, buddy had it was gonna do a startup and I did some Linux programming for them, that failed. And it's good to fail. You know that, I know, right? Because you learn a lot. That failed. I had very little to do with the failure. I had a lot to do with just the program and the product work. But I was taken on as an SE, a sales engineer. Mm. And my opinion to the inventive world out there, there is no better position for a startup guy than to be an SE. Because you touch all aspects. You touch the technical, you touch the sales, you touch the corporate, and most importantly, you are the purpose, the person representing the product and getting customer feedback. So if from, you, yes. Diving into that, just, just for those that may or may not be familiar, because I've heard the term a lot, and yet I probably couldn't explain it very well. So what does a, a sales engineer do? Or, or you know, yeah. you mentioned they touch a lot, and I've worked with some, but I don't know what all, the, what all that they do or, or what the background is on that. In the IT software world, it's always a Batman and Robin. That's what it is. It is. There's a sales guy. And everyone knows what the sales guy is. He's got the price list. He's doing the uh, dinners or the luncheons in the you know pre-COVID world, right? And he's closing the deal, following the thing. But the actual product, the actual product sale, understanding that, hold it, this is the requirement. This is the future requirement. These are the, pre the present products being used or services being used by the enterprise. And the SC, the sales engineer, 
is to represent the functionality and characteristics and deployability of his product. Therefore, he's the person that says, you have requirement A, I have product B, we have a match. Or he's the person who also should get off the call and tell the sales guy and say, listen, this is, he's not, we can go through the process. We can fill out that 100 page RFI. We can put all our cycles. We don't have a chance in heck of winning this deal. That's the SE's role. And he's, and he's comped for the sales. And he, in the old days, did the installs, which I did. And that was very helpful. Hmm. Now, a lot of companies divide up the installs from the SE and the SE is more of a PowerPoint SE, which I don't think is very good. <laughs> All right. So you did SE, maybe jumping back just a little bit. Yeah. SE role, but so you, you mentioned you, you graduated, got the, the software engineer or, software, or computer science. And I, I never always get the two yeah, yeah. mixed up. They seem similar in my mind, at least. Um, but what, so what was the first job? So did you start out? Cause you kind of jumped back. Yeah, and forth I, I did I graduated UT in, in computer science. That was back in 86, did the programming for 10 years, a lot of contract programming there became an SE for some key security, IT security companies. The first being RSA security. That was a fantastic company to start off with this and got my brain working authentication and identity, which I then became, you know, a, uh, a, an expert on that subject, identity in IT. So you, you did that. When I do uh, first, oh, such as Nitegrity. Yes. Yeah. Nitegrity, which is the first SSO company, single sign-on company. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, IBM and then Cisco. Before beginning the real journey, right? That's, mm-hmm. your, that's your standard job. Someone's giving you a paycheck. What about the startups? That's when what I did, and this is what I highly recommend people use their brains to do. As an SE, I did two technologies, which I combined then into one, into a company called SecureAuth. Um, I did a two-factor company, and that was RSA Security, and I did a single sign-on company. That was Nitegrity. In SecureAuth, now we're talking 2005, I combined the two products. And that, my dear inventors in the world, is really what inventing is. It's taking one idea and another idea and putting them together. So I I created the first shrink wrap, single sign-on, two-factor product called SecureAuth. And that's, I ran that thing technically for nine years. So question on that. So, because you you started out at the bigger businesses and you worked there, you said for about nine years, is that right? Um, I did 10 years of programming and then all those uh, SC jobs was about another eight years. Okay, so you, you did that for, I guess, then, you know, 17 years plus. Yeah. And, you know, so then you went over to the startup realm. So how did you make, what was the, the trigger? What made you decide, okay, I've been doing this for a good period of time, you know, working as an SE, working for other companies. And what made you, do, what made, what was the trigger of jumping between the startup and small businesses, which is what you, you know, you indicated that's what you've, you've done or done or several times. And so the how, how do you decide of... when to start with a big business, when to jump into the small business? In our industry, this IT industry, there's always layoffs. There's always layoffs. And me, I was the head of the technical resource at this company and the VP of sales at the company that laid us off. And and I had already been talking to this individual about combining products from my past and how the current products be done. And that's happening at 
every airport and every lunch table right now. The sales guy and the SEO are talking about if you had a company, what would you create? And the only difference is we did. We just we decided to take the idea, take the conversation, and turn it into a a um, a, a company. Now he he the the partner did the 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 uh, the the legal paperwork, and I got to it about creating the product with a lot of interesting overseas help first because it was on a budget. Hmm. So, you, so that partially answers my question, but I'm, I'll hammer on you just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so you you did that, but what was the, what was the uh, um, you know what was the tipping point or what was the aggregation of points? Well, the tipping the, the tipping point was the layoff, right? Mm. And to be honest, I had made some money and 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 done some investment, and the idea of just going to get another job mm. and then going through the standard, you know, things. Oh, we had a good quarter. We love you. Oh, the company's not doing good. Your division's going, you know, not is going to be cut. That kind of stuff just became annoying. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing that a lot right now from people who are, you know, either I just had two phone calls this morning, people thinking, Garrett, I think there's going to be cuts in my division. That's going on across the board. And mm-hmm. I simply, Simply, it was a desire to control my own destiny. I swear that was it. You know, if I make a bad product or I, I you, know, you know, can't make a, a call or I can't answer a customer's question, then it's on me, right? But I, I, I have to admit, I do go back to big companies, as you said. I, I will do, it, do startups and then I'll go to a big company. Um, maybe for a mental pause, but also what I really do in them is understand what is being done and what is being missed. Because if you watch my career, I went back to big companies and I learned a lot. I mean, you know, these companies are in business for a reason. They're not doing everything wrong. There are, they're answering the needs of customers in a, usually a large way, but there's usually things on the fringes that will become the major that aren't being handled and can't be addressed by a larger company. So, so no, and I think that that's very yeah. insightful. So you did that. So you went from the big company, say lay, you know, layoff, round of layoffs, and I yeah, agree that happens. You, you know, every business, and you know, you, you work at any place long enough, it, it, there's going to be the ups and downs. And so you did that, and you said, okay, you know what? I, I want to be my own boss. I want to do my own thing. I want to be able to set my own direction. And you did that. You, you did the you did the startup combined in a couple two factor authentication. So what was the? So after you did that, how long did you do that for? Did that for nine years. Did that for nine years, and that was probably the uh, the most largest span of growth for me personally, business wise, and just intellectually. That was a fantastic experience because it went through some serious ups and downs. I mean, we had no money, and I was doing anything to get the product built and to get the word out. And that made me extremely efficient in both aspects. One, there is amazing talent around the world, locally and around the world, to get a product done. And two, uh, that was just literally in 2005, 6, 7, that was just when people were starting to get, to get their handles on how powerful 
avenues such as LinkedIn and, and lesser uh, Facebook, more Twitter and webinars could be to start start a business. I really feel the social media platforms of LinkedIn and webinars put products at a at a at a much smaller products at a much more even keel than a larger products. Before that, I mean, how do you get the meeting with the CEO? Well, I know how you do it. You you do a webinar that says straight out to the Bob, who I call him, the Bob, the guy who is told to Garrett what what his job is to get SharePoint right, get on the iPhone right. I'm not kidding. Was that other thing? That was something that that I was able to do in my single sign-on product back in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. And that got me on the map. I I sent out a webinar invite on Sunday. I meant to send it on Monday and I accidentally sent it on Sunday, right? And I've got immediately 67 people on that webinar on a Sunday night, you know, you know, West Coast time, maybe, you know, uh, 7 p.m., okay? Mm-hmm. So voila, then, and, and then I'm, I'm guarantee we can get people care, but those aren't the buyers. No, they're not. But those are the guys who walk into the next room and say, I got it solved. You asked me to get SharePoint on your on your iPhone. I got it solved. Here's the product. Let's give them a try. And that put me on even keel with the big guys that I had a product and it was doing something different and I was able to solve their problems. And that's that's was really fun to learn that mm-hmm. that exists and that avenue exists that I can talk directly to the people, the influencers in the account, the people who actually have to live this. So and now, so jumping forward, and I think that's yeah, yeah. insightful. And as we kind of now keep walking through your journey, so you, you started the, the single sign-on two-factor authentication company. And, you know, I think when you talked or a little bit before the podcast and, and talked to you a little bit more, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, one of the, I don't know, mistakes or one of the things you did was that you took on, you know, several rounds of financing. And at some point, you know, as the financing firm came in, they almost took over the company of and you know, removed management. So how did that go or give that a little bit of insight is, because I think that's, you know, insightful as to, you Yeah, know, you know, this want, is something, that- if you would have asked me in 2014, I would have been very hard to speak and not be cut off or muted, right? Because I was angry. And I was like, how could you dare me do it? But guys, here's the deal. We, we took on a lot of people's monies. We took a lot of funding, right? And a lot of rounds, right? And in their minds, even though we had grown the company, we hadn't executed. There wasn't an exit on, on the parameter, okay? And not, I'm not going to take blame for that because that was not really my role in that, in that company. But that is the bottom line, is, is, you know, we weren't giving dividends. We weren't giving anything. And even though we were growing the company, they were looking for an exit. So after many rounds, the investors had enough leverage to say, okay, that's great. It's a great product. We got, we got to get an exit out of it. And that's exactly what happened is that the, the, um, I, I, I literally my bad for not being in those meetings and not maybe arguing more with my partner to say, Hey, we're being a little tone deaf here. You know, the investors really want an exit and, Mm -hmm. You know, and and yes, you know, and 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 that 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 where I was I was focused on the product. I was focused on the the SEs. I was focused on the deployments. That was my world, and also the channel. 
So the, the, the bottom line is that the investors did have uh, lose their patience and want, want an exit and then did a management switch. So, so on that, and you know, in hindsight's always twenty twenty or whatever right. you want to use. So if you could go back and do it again, would you, would you still take on the investor dollars? Oh yes. You know, and in doing that, you know, would you, would you change it? Meaning, you know, was it, are you happy that the exit occurred or that you got, you know, change of management that led you to the next thing? Or would you say, Hey, what we wish we would have done is, you know, we could have taken on less investor dollars and kept more of the equity, or we could have made sure that we align our, you know, align our goals with what the management or what the investors want such that we would have, you know, stayed in alignment and, and done that, or would there be any changes or would you do the exact same or what? No, kind no, of you're, you it, it, I mean, hindsight's 2020 can't fault humans. We all try to make the best decision we can at the time, but looking back at the data, there is no question we should have signed up some bankers about in, about in the uh, we about the sixth year. I know others who don't know the details would say, Garrett, you should have lined up the bankers in the third and fourth. Right, classically yes, but our first two years were so ludicrously non-progress. I mean, literally like three, four customers after two years. Amazing, they stuck in, but I was a lot younger. Okay, mm. um, um, but by by the sixth year, which on a normally funded company would have been, could, should be seen as the second to third year of a company, right? I mean, we had, you know, we had nice revenues. We had a really great reputation as the product that can do anything in a single sign-on two-factor world. And the competitors were still catching up. I, I think right then, if we would have said, hey, what we should have done is an adult decision and said, Okay, because I already have people talking to me now. The adult decision should have been to keep up with the market, which there was a, a competitor came out um, that, and it was doing wonderfully and was really executing, you know, in gangbusters called Okta, OKTA. Mm-hmm. And they had built a cloud version of, of the product I created and it was really damn good, <laughs> right? And we should have, you know, seen that and said, hold that, you know what we should do? We should either take on the funding to compete and live in this world with, you know, with differentiators. I don't believe you should ever build me two products mm. or should said, Hey, let's, let's, you know, do an exit. We've got a lot of nice accounts that companies would like to buy us for and, and do it that way. That would be the decision I said. And that would have been about really in about the fifth, sixth year. Yes. That's okay. what, what I would have done. Okay, no, I, that certainly makes sense. So, so now you have to do that and keep moving forward along your journey. So you do that, and then you, you know, that one the management comes in, they change the, you know, the investors come in, they change management. You decide, you know, that make that exit type of a thing. So then, what was next on your journey after that? You know, then I, I, I tried. Uh, I was, uh, I did not compete, which I honored. And, and maybe I shouldn't have, because I had some nice offers to go in companies that were like that. But I, I honored the uh, non-compete, and, and I didn't want to. I had equity in a company, and I, you know, when it did sell, I did, you know, make some money off of that. Um, so I did uh, some consulting work. I, I ran a consulting company, a Chinese-based consulting company, <clears throat> and that was really good experience for me to help me understand some of the. Now, some of the talent that I hadn't brought into SecureHealth, namely outsourcing talent. Mm. So when my non-compete was up like 18 months or whatever, I did put my resumes out to the open market 
And a very interesting opportunity locally came up. It was a AI-based company that um, had killed it. The company is called Silence. Had killed it in a world I wasn't familiar with, which was uh, um, uh, malware. You know, basically the uh, the concept of the agent you put on your desktop. You know, the old you know uh, um, antivirus. But they'd mm. done it in a much much more nifty, cool, modern way using AI to identify patterns in the executable. And they had made more money than any other company in the history of IT. Let me quantify that. And they had got to $100 million in revenue faster than any other IT security company in the history. So they, there was crazy times. This is, uh, you're talking 2017. And they were just throwing ideas at the wall. What can we do with AI? And God bless them, right? Because here you are, you were the fastest IT security company because you used a AI. Okay, what else can we do with AI? So I was hired in the incubation team to come up with an identity product, and I did. I came up with something that I really believe in. I mean, it was a, it was a really cool product. I said, hey, what we can do with AI, instead of identifying on the, on the laptop, uh, identifying malware, we can identify when the user is not the user. And that's what I did for the next three and a half years of my life. Okay. That was going back to, you know, a major company and was really good. Helped me un understand the concept of AI and tell me what it took to build. Tell, taught me things that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have to argue with the company I was working for is uh, that was a very much a homegrown AI company. But I also did my research and outside and saw that, wow, there are companies that if you hand them a data lake, a set of data, they can help you with the algorithms. So once again, kind of like when I went to SecureAuth and then left and then worked for uh, heading a Chinese outsourcing company, I said, man, I can start using more outsourcing to help me build this stuff faster, right? When I left Silence, I was doing comparisons and understands that, man, if you want to do an AI product, yeah, you can, you know, hire all your data scientists internally, but that's kind of silly. That's like building your own highway because it's that, that, that stuff's available. You just mm -hmm. need to, uh, you need to be, this is getting wonky about AI, but in AI, you need to be able to collect massive amount of data relevant to what you're trying to solve. Don't worry about the algorithms. Those will be written. And that's what I learned there. Okay. So now if we're to maybe jump forward just a little bit to kind of now where you're at today, maybe to provide just a little bit of insight, you yes. kind of, you know, started out there, gone back and forth a bit and forth, you know, had some success, jump back and forth between, you know, industry and startups. So now where does that lead you at to, uh, to today? Yeah. It, you know, what's really funny is, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's someone who's better speaking to me. It gives you the, you know, uh, uh, necessity is the mother of all inventions, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, that I that I get the silence gets brought up by Blackberry. There's a reorg, blah blah blah. It's all good, rock and roll. They give me a nice severance, and I'm like, okay, but it's also March 2020, and it will go down to history what we all happened in March 2020, right? Mm. <laughs> COVID. I mean, no company is going, God, you know what we need? We need an identity guy to help us build a product, right? Mm. And so I just said, hold it, I got a, a, a nephew with an idea working with a consultant in the, in the um, um, identity audit space. 
Let me take everyone's brain and explain identity audit. You all use an identity product. You probably use an Okta or something like that single sign-on to get into an enterprise. What you don't know that's going on is all these companies, if they're regulated, if they're the FFIFC for your banks, NCUA for your credit unions, for your healthcare, you got HIPAA, HIPBA, if you got your um, um, publicly traded, you got SOX compliance. All of those access rules of the users in those companies have to go through an identity audit, either annually, semi-annually, or quarterly, depending on the compliance. And that process is manual. So when I looked at what the, the nephew had and what he was working on, I was like, yeah, I can really run with this. Taking what I've known, taking the outsourced talent that I was able to accumulate, right? And the knowledge of, of that we have to do is execute, execute quickly on a, a small area and that we can get our word out. We can get our word out early and differentiate ourselves through social media. And that's what we're doing right now. We're being very lean on spending. We got a couple of ISRs working on LinkedIn, got some amazing webinars that I'm, that I'm already doing and getting the message out and made some real key partnerships. That's where I'm at today. All right. So now, and I think that, that brings us forward to today. So now is, is, you know, there's always more things I want to talk through than we ever have time to. So as we kind of reach towards the end of the podcast, then I'll, maybe I'll jump to my, you know, the, the two questions I always ask in the end. And I think, you know, as we talk through your journey, so, you know, one of them, maybe we touched on just a little bit, but, you know, if you're to look at, you know, going from startup to big business, startup to big business, and, and now to where you're at today again with startup, what would be the worst business decision you ever made? You know, I, I I don't know if I come across that way or not. Maybe my Chicago, Chicago accent I have. People think I, I can be negative. I just can't ever let my brain work that way. Hmm. You know? Seriously. I mean, I don't think any inventor should ever think that way. What was the worst decision? I mean, I, they're there, but I don't even want to go down that alley. I, I can there's, – there's decisions as you respectfully ask that way, right? Mm -hmm. is there's decisions I would have done differently. Was it the worst? No. Because right. Well, then I'll rephrase the yeah. question. As a good, all good attorneys do, I'll rephrase the question. Okay. Answer. What would be the one decision, if you could go back and change, that you would change? Um, what would change was my um, EQ during the startup process of SecureAuth. And that sounds, and that's, you're not going to hear many people say that. And because I don't even know what that really means. And so, so this is the emotional quotient. I was very intense. I was very hard on everyone, including myself, but, mm -hmm. but, but other people get it. So I probably, well, I know I did rub people the wrong way in the really early part in the first four years or so. And that made it difficult to mend after the, it started growing bigger. So it's 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 kind of like, well, it is. We want to win. We're good guys. We're intelligent, and we're all intelligent in the business. That's the main thing. You know, the the difference between intelligence between one company and another is just microns. Um, but we gotta remember that we're dealing with humans, okay. and humans have memories. Okay. So we're gonna. If I summarize that, it's you know, you'd have 
realized or been more intentional about the EQ, which is emotional quotient or how you deal with people yeah. and the interpersonal. So, so now if I jump to the second question, which is, you know, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup, that's just getting going, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? SME. Are you an SME in the field? Are you a subject matter expert? And if you're not, partner with someone or get a bunch of advisors who are. You have to answer as an innovator. You got to answer. Every call has got to be, why the heck do you exist? And if you can't answer that, please don't start a company. That's it. Be right. the expert. You should have a reason, you know, a reason d'autre, whatever that is in French, a reason to be. Your reason to be is X. I have no problem answering that you attest. The cost of implementation of an audit, identity-based audit, is too expensive. And I can do this in the cloud and have done it cheaper than anyone else for the for the license and the deployment. You as the innovator have to be the SME and should I don't care how rifle, how, how my optic that single point is, that should be your reason to be. All right. Fair enough. So be, so if I were to take the two things is one is uh, make sure to check your EQ. And then the other is, you know, making sure you're a subject matter expert. So perfect. So, yeah. All right. So people that are wanting to find out more about your product, connect up with you, invest in your company, do yeah. any, all of the, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, LinkedIn's great. First of all, the Garrett Grajek, as someone told me 10 years ago, Garrett, don't make fun of your name. It's great. There's only one Garrett Grajek in the world. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. And you attest. The company is you attest. Y-O-U-A-T-T-E-S-T for your audit uh, and compliance purposes all done in the cloud. Yeah, perfect. Well, I certainly invite everybody to check out to or check out you attest. Um, support it, check it out. If you want to uh, be employed there, get a job there, invest in there, connect with the connect there or anything else, make sure to check it out. And I appreciate coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to hear your journey. Always, um, always plenty of fun things to talk about that we never have time, but appreciate you coming on. And um, for those of you that are wanting to be a guest on the Inventive Journey and tell your journey, you can make sure to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. And for those of you that uh, want to make sure to get notifications as you listen uh, to this episode and all the others, uh, make sure to subscribe. And lastly, if uh, you're needing any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at uh, Miller IP Law. Garrett, again, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure and it's been fun to hear your journey and wish you the next leg of your journey all the best. All the best. Thank you. It was very enjoyable.